day and your quiet time with God that the Holy Spirit will just come and fresh, give you a fresh infilling so that you can actually journey through the day in the power of God. Which has very little to do with what I'm talking about today. Well, actually it does. But um, uh, First of all, uh, Paul and uh, Paul rang me on Thursday and uh, just to say that they have accepted an offer on their house and that they wanted to pass on just the gratitude for all those who have been praying for that because they said that virtually nothing is selling in Wellington currently. So they really, really, really felt God uh, came through on that. So they want to pass on their gratitude and thanks for that. And next thing, I'm not Mark Headley, who's supposed to be preaching here today. So I received a phone call from, from Mark uh, on Friday to say that he, his brother is only had a few days to, to live. And so he was jumping on a plane to head up to the North Island and, and obviously wouldn't be able to preach today. So I said, that is not a problem, Mark. We'll come up with a solution. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, I started racking my brains about what should I speak on today and because I'm preaching next week the really easy thing to do would be to take next week's talk and bring it uh, through to today and then come up with something new for next week or, or come up with another speaker for next week which we'll be doing uh, continuing the series on Matthew um, but I have a wonderful wife full of wisdom and she suggested that we go for a walk and then so we went for a walk around the block and, and prayed together. And then uh, when we got to just praying, you know, what does God want me to speak on today? And uh, so I went, went up to the room and uh, when we got back and just felt that God really wanted uh, me today to focus on what this weekend is about, which is Anzac, and pull some stuff out of that. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So... Um, most of us will have a connection somewhere in our lineage of people who have fought for our country. I have a number of connections myself. My, my father uh, went through the compulsory military training that people of his age did. And while there, he discovered that he was a very good shot. In fact, uh, one of the best in the country. And... Uh, he, he developed a real passion for guns. Um, when, when, we, when we were kids and we had an engineering business, he actually had a, a gunsmith hiring at part of the workshop and I got uh, for all, so all sorts of weaponry, including some very ancient ones where you had to load the ball and shot and everything into it. Uh, uh, during his life, he had, there's a period where he had over 100 guns that he had collected. Um, we had a firing range down at work where we could fire pistols and rifles and that sort of thing. Denise got to try firing a Magnum 44, just to see what that felt like. Um, and uh, because of Dad's particular set of skills, <laughs> in the late 50s he went overseas on, uh, some, on a covert mission with a team from the country here and uh, we didn't get to hear much about that till later in life and he told us a few stories and, and they're not really appropriate for, for this sort of setting. But um, when he came back, he, he married my mother at the age of 21 and uh, he struggled uh, 
getting through a lot of that things, and his coping mechanism was that he would go bush. And sometimes he wouldn't tell anyone, he'd just disappear for a couple of weeks. And it was his way of processing and working through some of the things that he experienced while he was overseas. And he did process that, and he was a fantastic father, and I really appreciate uh, the upbringing I had through both my father and, and mother. Also had uh, two uncles, Arnold and Wilfred, who served in World War II. One of them was in the Air Force, one of them in the Navy. Uh, I'm sure they had good discussions comparing the two services. And my grandfather, who uh, passed away just before I was born and I was named after, he fought in World War I and he uh, got severely affected by mustard gas and had um, significantly decreased lung capacity for the rest of his life till he he passed away. And these, you know, people like this, who, and I'm sure we all know people who have uh, uh, fought for our nation and for the world and for the peace, and they sacrificed a lot so that we can experience um, a better life. And during this weekend, we, we have the, the poppy that we remember, and I thought it would be people might be just a little bit interested in some of the history of, of, the, of the poppy. Um, the Red or Flanders poppy has been linked with battlefield deaths since the Great War of 1914 to 1918. It was one of the first plants to grow and bloom on battlefields in the Belgian region of Flanders. The connection was made most famously by a Canadian medical officer, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, in his poem, In Flanders Fields, and I'll just read the poem. In Flanders fields the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky the lark still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the, amid the guns below we are the dead short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. And uh, an American lady who read this poem took up the, the thought that we wouldn't break faith. And she, she took the poppy and uh, uh, used that as a symbol in America for, for remembering those who had fallen in battle. And then a French lady uh, who was speaking at a armed services conference saw that and took it back to France and it became very quickly a worldwide symbol uh, for remembrance. Uh, and from 1920, that has been the case. And we, uh, in New Zealand, uh, we also uh, had someone come out and, and got us on board with that, and we ordered, uh, and that Remembrance Day worldwide is November the 11th, which was Armistice Day. Um, we, in New Zealand, we ordered a heap of poppies to come out and, and use as a means of fundraising, and they didn't arrive on time. So we shifted uh, from using the poppy on Armistice Day and put it onto Anzac Day. 
So we're a little bit different to the rest of the world, which is not unusual for Kiwis. And, and uh, from that, from 1922 through to now, the poppy has been used on the Anzac weekend uh, by Kiwis to remember those who have fallen and to raise money for returned servicemen who need assistance. And on that first time in 1922, we, uh, we raised the equivalent of $1.3 million by selling poppies and have continued to do so ever since. So if you see someone on the street, I was, uh, went to Bakerman's for lunch yesterday, which I do occasionally, I enjoy that bakery, and there was a person outside there uh, with, with poppies and a, and a thing, so I went and gave a donation and, and took a poppy as we remember those that have fallen and support those who are still here. Was that of interest and helpful? Now those who went before sacrificed so that we could be free and I guess today, when we've lived for decades in relative peace, it's easy for us to forget that the peace that we live in was hard fought for. That there are those who have sacrificed, uh, and some make the ultimate sacrifice, so that we can actually have a better life here today. We... Um, And, you know, currently there are people who sacrifice their own wants and needs so that we and our children can have a better future. The most recent conflict we've been involved in before this year was in Afghanistan where 10 Kiwis lost their lives. Um, currently we've just sent 50 people to, uh, to Ukraine. And don't be surprised if we send a few more. Uh, if, you, if you listen to um, geopolitical experts... This war isn't going away anytime soon. And uh, the landscape of the world has changed. You know, we have lived decades uh, in recent times in a really privileged time of life. But the world has changed. The world has changed. And in fact, uh, the geopolitical experts are predicting that there will be a severe famine throughout the world because of this war. Not just because uh, Russia is the world's largest um, wheat producer and uh, Ukraine is the fifth largest, which there'll be no wheat from Ukraine this year, uh, but also because Russia is one of the largest exporters of uh, fertiliser. And countries like China, which have bad soil, won't be getting fertiliser this year for growing their food and there'll be a worldwide shortage of food Everywhere, And so what that will mean for us in New Zealand is don't be surprised if food prices double in the next 12 months. My suggestion is if you have any land at all, a veggie garden could be a good idea. And I think, Don, I think uh, God led inspirational stuff to see us having a community garden in the, in the church because it will be sorely needed. And the ones who will suffer will be the poor. The ones who will suffer will be the poor. Anyway, that is completely off track. But the, so we, you know, at this time we remember those who have um, served in the armed forces. But there's also others who really sacrifice um, quite 
significantly so that we can have better lives. And there are other services which occur as well, which I think it's worth acknowledging at this time. There are people in the medical profession, doctors and nurses is one which, um, uh, some of them sacrifice their lives incredibly. Our, our future daughter-in-law is a midwife. And some of the hours she has to work and the things she has to do is, is just phenomenal. A few years ago, I had um, a significant accident when I was mountain biking. And I spent a few nights in hospital and a few months recovering. But one of the uh, people I'd really like to honour is Nay, um, Naomi Watts. She uh, was nursing at the same ward that I happened to be in. And I got to see her at work. And she is incredible. Uh, I, uh, the guy uh, in bed beside me was the one that Naomi was looking after. And she would come in and it was like, uh, you, know, you could see that he was experiencing that he was her total focus, that he was just incredibly important to her. And yet while she was making him feel that way, she is carrying out tasks in such an efficient and effective manner and getting them all done. And I was just in, you know, I, I enjoy watching operations, you know, being in business, it's one of the things I do. I'll go into a cafe or something and I'll see what's going on and, and just assessing is this a good business or not. And, and Naomi was fantastic. You know, she was very, very good. And, you know, she sacrificed herself time-wise. She's, she's gone overseas and nursed in war zones. She's spent some time in Starship Hospital because she's just willing to make other people's lives better. And then we've got police, fire, um, those in teaching professions. You know, they will, they will sacrifice a lot of their own time. They don't get paid for just so that uh, people going ahead of them can have a better life. Would you agree? And fighting for world peace isn't the only battle going on within this planet. There is also a fight for God's kingdom and, and for his authority to be established. And there are those who have gone before us who have sacrificed much so that we and those who come after us can live better lives and interestingly in the book of Hebrews there is a, a section which talks about a lot of those who have gone before us and in fact it's like the Old Testament all condensed down into miniature so this morning I want to read a reasonable amount of scripture, we're going to read Hebrew, all of Hebrews 11 and part of Hebrews 12 this morning and Hebrews 11 is often called um, the faith chapter because it does emphasise the importance of faith and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I, I also like to think of it as the chapter of heroes. So starting from verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The first hero. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. 
He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded, commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city, for he was looking forward to the city with, fanta- with foundations, whose architect and builder is, is God. You know, he was looking forward. I think it is popular today with, with preaching and teaching often to focus on what we can get now. And it's, you know, we're, we live a little bit in a, or quite a lot perhaps, in a consumer society. And, and even that does come across in, the, in church preaching a little bit that we actually talk a lot about our needs, our wants, our desires. But there is a bigger picture. Now, I'm a, you know, I'm a big believer in going after God's promises for our lives. I do it all the time. And, and God will have promises for every one of us that he, he's given us. Some of them are general promises that we can leave and some of them are specific promises for each, each one of us and we can go after those. But even if they don't happen, there is a bigger promise out there of a future that we're all going for, that we're all building towards, that, that is growing God's kingdom and seeing... Um, seeing eternity as the, the objective that we can have. And like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who went to the burning fire, they said, look, God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will still trust God and we'll press on because we know there is a bigger picture. And this is being a, a little bit annoying. Verse 11, and by faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You know, and, and I think that, that is a key thing. When you know, Abraham's situation looked hopeless from a human perspective, He was too old to have kids. Sarah was too old to have kids. And yet God did the possible out of the impossible. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would 
they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By the faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of the lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies." Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sword in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Say that with me. The world was not worthy of them. Now try this. The world is not worthy of me. Some of you might find that just a little bit awkward to say. I just want to comment on this a little bit because as interesting as we go through that list of heroes in the, from the Old Testament, there is no mention of their faults and failings. Apart from maybe Abel and Enoch, you go through all the others, and if you read the story in the Old Testament, you will find that they were far from perfect people. They made mistakes, they got it wrong, and yet they are, it's not mentioned in their hero list. 
And sometimes I think we can sit there and think, well, we're not actually doing that great. We're making these mistakes. We're getting it wrong. We're, we're not, not quite doing everything that God wants us to do. But if we're living by faith, 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 we are in the hero list. The world is not worthy of us. There is a place built for us that we get to go to, that Des gets to go to. Do you like that thought? They, they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better all for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, God has a bigger plan. He has a better plan. You know, you'll have people who, who like these heroes that we listed, like people who have served in the armed forces, you'll have people who have gone before you who have actually influenced you and your future. People who we really should honour for what they've done and actually setting things up so that we can have a better life and have a better life. Um, one of the stories that mum used to share with us when we were, when we were young was about uh, one of her uncles, uh, we, uh, our, fa our heritage, we came into Nelson in 1842. You can find our names on the on the um, uh, monuments along the waterfront there where they have that. And we largely uh, all lived in what is now known as Atify, uh, which before that was Todd's Valley, and before that it was Norris Valley. Um, the uh, I think there's only about one bit of section that the Norris families didn't own. Mum, the house that Mum grew up is still there. Grew up in is still there. It's uh, changed a lot. It's a little bit like an axe. It's had five new handles and four new heads, that sort of thing. It's still the same axe. She, uh, she, the walls of the room that she grew up in were of clay. They're not. It's not clay anymore. Uh, so one one of her um, uh, one of the, one of her uncles milked cows, had cows that he milked, and during the depression, uh, you know that's how he made his money. He'd sell milk, and during the depression, people couldn't afford to buy it. And she'd say that you know, when when there were kids involved, he would just give them the milk. He he couldn't bear to let children go without without nourishment. And it, you know, there's lots of stories like that that we heard growing up which just build into your life realising that actually other people are important. There's more to life than what I want. There's more to life than what I need. And it's, it's stories and people like that that actually build into your life. And my brother Tony, uh, four years older than me, he became a Christian before I did and he was at... Uh, um, you know, we were typical brothers and 
I'm amazed that he decided to take me to youth group when I turned to the age of 13. You know, we, we would fight and get on with all these sorts of things, and yet he was willing to, to have his younger, annoying brother come to youth group with him. And it was because of that that at the age of 13, at a Youth for Christ rally at the town hall in Christchurch, that I gave my life to the Lord and followed him ever since. And you know, I honour I honor my brother for paying that small sacrifice of taking me along to youth group. And there are myriad of people who have invested in me over the years that have made a difference and influence. And there will be many people who have invested in your life as well. And have you honoured them? Have you thanked them? Uh, uh, I was getting taught once on uh, one of the keys to happiness and there's a few things that you can do that actually have been scientifically shown to make you a more happy person. And one of the activities that you can do is you can write a letter for someone that you, has had influenced your life and honour them and then take them out for coffee and read them the letter, assuming that they're still alive. If they're, if, well, if, if they're not, then it's a cheaper cafe experience. But... Um, and people who do that have been scientifically shown to be more happy. So just take that on, on board. Have you honoured people who have invested into your life? So let's carry on a little bit into chapter 12. There's, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, do you know that there are, uh, in heaven that you are being watched? There are those who have gone before who are just witnessing the, all the great things, the awesome things, the fantastic things that you are doing in the power of God as you walk by faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us persevere, friends. Let's, let's keep focused Fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, which is our fourth focus point for this year as a church. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, making sure that we're looking forward, making sure that we're looking forward, investing into the future. The pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, if we stay focused on the here and now, I think we can become uh, discouraged. I think we can become dry, disheartened. But if we keep that eternal focus, if we realize that there is a bigger picture at play, if we realize that we're actually investing into, into the, the future for our, for our children, for our children's children, for the for nations, It'll keep that joy. It'll keep that joy going. Just as Jesus was willing to suffer the cross because he knew on the other side that there was a joy worth having, a joy of seeing us with him. And if the band wants to come up, We'll jump to verse 18 of chapter 12. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, which was referring to when Moses was up the mountain. 
to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you, that is us, that is we, have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church, which is us, of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Friends, there are people who have invested in you, and your life is better because of it, and we can honor those. As I finish, who are you investing in? What are you investing in? Are you just focused on the here and now and your needs and your wants? Or do you have an eternal view? Do you realize that there are those that are coming after you that you will influence and make a difference in? I suspect for most of us, we can say yes to that. Let's stand and worship our awe-inspiring God who is a consuming fire.